0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is the Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm David Gubby and joined as always by my co host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back on pay per view this weekend. UFC 298 from Anaheim, California. We got Volkanovski versus Toboria, We've got Whitaker versus Costa. We got Devolashvili versus Sahuto. And we'll, of course, be breaking down all those fights as well as giving you an underdog and a parlay to make your wallet fat this weekend when we run down the fights as fights, dogs, and parlays. Plus, as always, we got the interviews you guys know and love. Kicking off the show this week is our interview with Danny Barlow, who fights on the prelims of USC 298. And a little bit later in the show, we'll be talking to Shannon Clark, who is fighting for the LFA Women's Flyweight title next week. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game of Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high-handicap hackers, cut-mitted cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and Bring him on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, joining me today is Danny Barlow, who fights Joshua Quinlan at UFC 298. That fight is on February 17th. So, Danny, I wanted to start here. You know, obviously, devastating win on the Contender Series. Took you 79 seconds to get the job done. But now you've kind of been sitting around waiting. You know, it's been five months since you've gotten the fight. Was that sort of by design, or have you been, you know, chomping at the bit to get in there?
1: I mean, I've been hoping. I've been hoping. I've been in training camp for, like, 10 months so I haven't been out so I been. it wasn't on me it was just definitely offer as soon as they the first offer we just took it so it wasn't it wasn't it had nothing to do with me uh so yeah I just I just been waiting so it just kind of worked out like that. Is it
0: frustrating a little bit for you not to be able to get back in the cage because I know you're a guy who's liked short turnarounds in the past you know you didn't didn't have a lot of time before your contender series fight and your fight before that
1: so was it tough for you to kind of sit on the shelf a bit no, no, no! It's never tough to sit sit on the shelf because that's when you have the most fun. You have the most fun when you can just work on your craft and just get better. Um, so yeah, it's like you know, it, it, and I, I'm all on God timing too. So it's, I'm all I'm just yeah. It's it's not never it's never my time. You know what I'm saying? Like you can beat a lot of guys, but timing is important. It's like so I feel like whenever the time is, it's it's, it's gonna be the best you know what I'm saying, option for me. So when the time comes, it comes. But if it don't, it means that I need to be working and focusing. And I have more fun in camps when I can get big and big and strong and eat whatever I need to eat. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't have to really, you know, just have to focus too much on the discipline part as far as, like, you know, eating and and. and, and I could just basically put everything into growth. You see know what I'm saying? I can, eat what I, I can eat all the things that give me the right gains. I can do all the things that give me the right gains. So it's basically just fun, just training without that pressure, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense to yeah. me. Now, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your training camp, too, because I feel like not enough people know about law school MMA. Brian Hall, you know, an ex- exceptional coach. But you and Ryan Spann are kind of the first guys bringing him into the limelight. So. Can you give us a little taste of what we ought to know about him and, and what people will know about him soon enough?
1: Oh, man, Brian Hall was a guy he fought for Bellator. You know, back in the day, he's an early, uh, you know, what I'm saying just an early MMA fighter that basically didn't have the right coach and didn't have the right team. He did a lot of stuff by himself, and basically, he just created a system and a team to basically, you know, push somebody just a little bit further than where he went, and that's that's where he that's that's just where he comes from. But, man, just right now in the in the flesh, man, he he's one of the greatest coaches in the world. Uh, he got me to where I'm, I'm at in four years. You see what I'm saying? So if they don't say nothing, then, you know what I'm saying, I can't explain more. You know what I'm saying? But he was a, he was a coach that got me to where I – it only took four years for him to get me to where I'm at in the UFC and possibly one of the best strikers in the UFC now and actually one of the best wrestlers in the UFC. A lot of people don't know. So it's like, yeah, so he's a great coach.
0: Yeah, I love that. Nice to hear. Now, I I wanted to talk about you being one of the best strikers in the UFC, too, because you got the nickname, and and I love a good nickname story. I love people telling me where their nicknames come from. So you got the nickname Mm -hmm. Left Hand to God. Who who gave it to you? How did you wind up with the, you know, probably one of the more unique nicknames in MMA? I mean,
1: it it was was like my, like I said, my coach, bro. Like I said, it was my coach. Like, we got that relationship to where it's like, I'm just like, the guy that's, like on go, or the the guy is just got the heart. You see what I'm saying? Um, I'm very, you know, you know, in in involved in like understanding the game and real technical and stuff like that too. So we have good conversations about the game. Uh, but he gave him he gave him my nickname, man. He gave him my nickname, and it, it came. You know, what I'm saying he said he was uh, watching. Like, he, like he, I don't know where he got it from, But, but he he gave it to me, man. It's, it's, it, I think it stemmed from like earlier in my career. I used to to kind of, like, fight with adrenaline. Like, you know, had that adrenaline rush or whatever, and I used to fight with it. And, man, it just – I used to always say, Coach, what happened? Like, man, you hit him with the left. You caught him with that left hand. hand. Like, okay, what it was, like, you threw a kick, then you caught him with the left hand. Mm -hmm. Or you threw – like, you threw a a, a jab, then caught him with the left. It's like, it always – you know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah, that left hand is active. So I think it came from that. It's like because it, it was it was something that that stood out to where man. Every, if he hit you with that left hand, man, like, it, yeah. Like, it's going to – yeah. So it came from Coach. You know what I'm saying? It came from just something that he's seen in me. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So Coach gave me that name. I yeah.
0: dig it. I dig oh, it. Man. Now, you, you mentioned in there – I wanted to talk to you about game planning because, you know, I've heard from some fighters – they love being part of the game planning process. Some just like their coach to be like video game controllers telling them what to do. You, you're a guy who's cerebral. He likes to focus on the pieces of the game. So how does that work with you and Brian? And how, how do you guys work through the game planning process? It's,
1: it's like we start in the gym, man. Like you know, we, we know we know what we like to do. We know what I'm I'm we, what I'm good at. And um, he wasn't, you know, good at coaching me with being in bad positions because I have never been in. So we did have to make some adjustments after the first time I got taken down and I got my back took. And he was like, that, like you know, it's like it, our, our connection kind of faded a little bit, like in the bad position. So we started to, you know, focus more on bad positions at practice, you know what I'm saying? And coaching. And like, so it's like, no, we got that relationship. So it's just, it started practice. Like he don't really, it's like we connected. It's like, um, it's like we avatar, you know, the, the avatar, but it's like, he just, it's a connection, man. Um, and we hooked up and we, like you said, we hooked in. So it's like, even when it, it's like, I'm the fighter. So it's like, I'm still in control a hundred percent. So he's like, when he, it, it's just not listening to what he say, dude, it's actually seeing where it fit at while I'm in the case. Cause he'll say, I think that he'll say, let's say if he say two, nine, that's like, he's, he'll call out that combo. Like two nine, I will fake the two nine before I throw it, just to see. Okay, okay, where, where the, what's the range? I have to check the range on it. Have to check the you no know, the, the the texture on the how I want to throw the two hard. I want to sit on the two. So it's like it's a lot that I do, and that's what make it fun. The fact that I co- he's showing me what he see. So it's there. It, it might not be the way it, you know. So I can't just say two, to throw the two nine. It might be a quick two. And, and, and like, and, and sit and, and blast a nine or it might be, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like, yeah, it's just the different textures of what, how I fit what coach is saying. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, I'm in hundred percent control, but he just showed me what I see. Because if you ever outside the cage, you, and you watching it, you can always see something that they can't see. So I just, it's just me just trusting what he see. You know what I'm saying? Trusting his eye.
0: I like that. Now, I wanted to ask you too about what you said in there about being in a bad position for the first time, getting your back taken for a lot of fighters who are you know seemingly untouchable on the regional scene and have never really done that, they come in with kind of a skewed view of how good they are, or, you know that they're infallible. Do you feel like that moment was a big turning point for you in your career in, in like recognizing that, that that there was you know stuff to work on at times?
1: Um, I, I think I think you can get comfortable when you just don't have that, and I think it's a learning lesson to just always look for that outside of the cage. But I just feel like it was just a it was a fight, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it was just a fight. Like it's a lot of fans, a lot of people don't understand, bro. It's we in this we in this game with other trained professionals, bro. Like anybody can, you know, anything can like anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? I have seen guys win a whole fight and then boom. You know what I'm saying? Last 10 seconds he caught in a triangle choke. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's, it's the game. So pretty much it was just a game. It was just my first time. It's just the way when you used to being dominant, you have to understand your dominant the dominance have to grow. Like it have to grow or you are going to have to start being able to check on that heart, check on that like check on that heart, that toughness. And it's like that's all it did. It just changed the way I train. I was coming forward a lot after that. I was walking forward. I was, you know what I'm saying, on the weights a different type of way. You know what I'm saying? I w- I wasn't looking to win at practice no more. I went I started looking for those hard days like you know, you know what I'm saying? I started looking for like them bad positions. I stopped in um, practice, I I start going for flying triangles and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, bro, I wanna like I'm, I I I don't like being in bad position. But now I'm finna do something that I'm I'm gonna try. I'm gonna just try more things. You know what I'm saying? So I opened up on trying more things. And like I said, I I fixed that. Yeah, I fixed that. And we and we got on the mats and we got on the mats and having that live performance rolling. Like got into something I got into like more jitsu tournaments. You know what I'm saying? Because the 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 speed when you hit the ground is totally different. You know what I'm saying? You have to know what you want to do on the ground. Like, just like you know what you want to do on the feet, you can't, you have to know exactly like this. Like, as soon as I hit, the, hit my back, this is what I do. I like, shrimp, go for You know what I'm saying? So it just helped a lot, a lot with the game plan on the ground. Like I said, we we got great ground game wrestling, but it just, we was not used to being in that position. So it's like, well, you know, it was just like, you know, a form, a, a place that we have never been before. I can say that.
0: I like it. Now, I want to talk to you about this upcoming fight because, you know, so many people coming off the contender series get stuck right back in the apex, right? Uh, small crowds, mm-hmm. barely anybody there, but they didn't do that for you. They, they rolled out the big crowd for you. You get UFC 298, you get the Honda Center, Anaheim, a card with three champs or former champs on it, you know, absolutely loaded up, going to be packed to the brim. What was sort of your thoughts when they, they, you know, sent you the bout agreement and you found out that there would be a huge crowd around your debut and you were going to get a chance to do this in front of a lot of people?
1: I mean, bro, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm, I see. I mean, I got that swag for it, man. It's like, I mean, that's the only thing I haven't experienced. That man, that's the next step. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's that's the next step for me. Like, I feel like being in the, um, not, not coming out to music was the worst thing that could ever happen. You know, like, but it was it's, it's a great difference. So I feel like it's, this is going to be a great difference. You know what I'm saying? And it can break you or make you. Like, I'm not coming in this thing like um like you know what I'm saying talking like this game is real bro it's real like you know what I'm saying and it, it, the people that do this on this high level it's like they it's like they they be faced with those realities all the time about how real the pressure is uh, so i'm i'm looking forward to it, 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 it it's basically um the game is exposing itself to me. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not coming in arrogant. I'm not coming in. Like, I don't overlook my opponents. I just know what I am. So, I know I, I know my potential and I know what I am. So, I'm just excited to see wh- how what it do to me. Because I feel like a lot of people don't understand that when you are in these situations, sometimes you lose control. And sometimes that's what called going with the flow. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So... Like I'm not expecting to be able to control this, but I'm 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 excited to see the waves and I'm 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 expecting to see I might be a, a smooth surfer, man, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm expecting to ride that ride for real. You know what I'm saying? So it's a ride, man. So we I'm expecting I'm just I'm just excited to get on a new ride, if that makes sense, man. I'm expecting to get you know, get on that horse, man, buck, you know, get on that bull. Yeah. So I'm expecting it to be excited. I'm not shying away from it at all. But um I do this game, bro, so I understand that anything can happen. I'm okay with anything happening.
0: I love it. Now, you you mentioned opponent. You mentioned getting a chance to, to do this in front of people, and it doesn't necessarily matter who's in front of you. But you're a guy who's now faced opponent changes all the time, right? You're supposed to fight Justin Berwinson on Contender Series. Yeah. You got Raheem Forrest. You're supposed to fight Kinoshita here. You get Joshua Quinlan. Now, you know, when they, they did come with you, the shift, a little bit later on in your camp, was your thought, you know, again, it doesn't matter. We just step up to the next guy. Was it, you know, time to do some research? What What was kind of your, your approach to when you
1: heard Joshua Quinn? Right. A wise man said, fool me once. You know what I'm saying? You can put the blame on, you know, I put the blame on you. Shame on you, man. Fool me once, shame on you, bro. Fool me twice, can't put the blame on you, bro. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? It's like, that's real. It's like, man, you got to be expecting anything to happen, bro. You got to be ready for whatever. Man, I never had a, a regular fight as a pro never. You know what I'm saying? My second fight was in Miami. One week notice with a changed the opponent the last hour. For real. You know what I'm saying? And he had every reason to lose. Like, they made it comfortable for me. So, he's like, I can still lose to this guy. But they was like, man, he can't. They, they made him seem like the superhero. He's saving life. But this guy still was a, a dangerous fighter. He was a pro fighter. Like, so I, I, so I had to make it look like, I had to make it look easy. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm coming in these fights with Objectives. I'm not just trying to win. I'm not just trying to. I'm coming to put a stamp on it. You know what I'm saying? So this, I'm I I am I'm I'm looking. For, I'm ready for whatever, man. You know. So like I said, I'm I like first thing I learned about when I did this sport is that, man, it's a blessing to get a dub, but it's unacceptable to not fight. You see what I'm saying? Meaning that it's a blessing to win, but it's it's unacceptable to not fight. Meaning that a lot of people win not fight. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people avoid. You know what I'm saying? Getting, getting, in, getting in, that, in that, you know what I'm saying, ring and putting in that, that work, man. So, I, I'm just not – I'm okay with however anything go. But got, I'm I'm 7-0 and zero for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't take my pride or not my record or anything in the, in the case. I come in there to fight. So, you know what I'm saying? So, that's that's pretty much why I'm always prepared to go in there and fight. And if you're prepared to go in there and fight, it mean that win, lose, or draw, they're going to say what? Right. Hey. Hey, yeah, that was a good fight. So, yeah, that's my goal, have a good fight every time I get in cage. We'll we'll go to sleep. We'll go to sleep. (laughs) If I I come out there to sleep, I'm good. It was a good night.
0: Well, you mentioned putting a stamp on this fight, and usually I like to end these with the same way. I like the prediction question. So tell me how this one ends come February 17th.
1: Man, like I have said for every fight, man, dude, like – I, I haven't gotten past the reading phase with a lot of guys, you know what I'm saying? Like even I, the fights that have went to a decision, I thank God, my first fight went to a decision. I just needed to feel those 5 minute rounds. Um but I think uh my third or fourth, my fourth probably my fourth fight um with Dustin DePuma, it went all three rounds. It was there was a fill out. Like I didn't have my number one training partner with me and it was a lot. It was a feel like fill out fight. Like I didn't pull the trigger you know what I'm saying? Like I could, but it's like if if that fight would have been five rounds or four rounds, yes, I would've I, I wasn't tired at all. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I kinda got warmed up. I kinda got, you know what I'm saying, settled in late. And I could see that he was just on his on his back. It's nothing he could he could do. You know what I'm saying? So so yeah, so those so after that fight, it was more so like, yeah, I'm man, if you're not like everybody dangerous within within that first 30 seconds of every fight, man. So if I if I if I if I, if I was a blind man, and I re I, I, and I reach my hand out to feel you, and you ain't there. When I I just don't feel you. So if it's like that first round, if, if you're not a guy that's, that's taking that taking the middle of the ring and and, and and you know and showing that dominance and 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 and, and, and yeah and being dominant and, and and basically giving me that 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 push back is 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 like man I, hey you are going you gonna get out there early. You know what I'm saying? But if you're a guy that's you know what I'm saying? You you push back and you you I feel you and we 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 gonna fight. It's gonna be a good fight. So it's it's not so a it's a win win for me. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm gonna go out there to fight every time and win, lose, or draw, I'm gonna give the greatest fight that I you know, that I can give. So like I said, man, the prediction is, man, it's gonna either be a, a short night or a long night, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Danny Barlow, who fights Joshua Quinlan at UFC 298. Once again, that fight, February 17th. Danny, thank you so much for the time, man. I really thank appreciate you,
1: it. Man. Yes, sir.
0: Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Danny Barlow. I want to get him Daniel Gubby-Brinlan joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we're going to start here today. UFC 298 from Anaheim, California, coming your way this weekend. I know what people are talking a lot about 299 people have a lot of questions about UFC 300, but I wanted to ask you about this one. UFC 298 is a little bit more loaded than I think people are giving it credit for. We got title challenge, former title challengers, Paulo Costa, Amanda Lemos. We got two former champions, one current champion on the card. Do you think this card's getting like unnecessarily looked over?
2: Yeah, it is because 300s out there. And I think people's imaginations are running wild and we could get to that in a second. Uh, this is a nice card, dude. I mean, it, you see a card headlined by Volkanovski and Robert Whittaker, and you assume it's, you know, in Australia or something. But no, it's right here in Anaheim. And then you have Davishvili and Henry Cejudo, like, on on the pay-per-view portion, but, you know, uh, towards the bottom. And then even, you know, Joff Neal and Ian Gary. Like, I'll take that. Uh, I like a lot of the fights on this card. This is a nice card. um, And especially when you have Volkanovski, who's kind of in that, like, you know, I, I, we'll talk about it a little bit more, obviously, coming up. He's 0-2, but against a beast at 155. But this man, this man is in conversation and cementing his legacy as the GOAT 145-pound champion of all time. And really one of the best mixed martial artists we've ever seen. He has so many different ways he can beat someone. Um, anytime you have someone like that fighting, it's an exciting card.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, and to me, he's already passed that level of, of being the best ever at 145 pounds. You know, God bless Jose Aldo and his incredible run. But like this this one just feels different, both in the level of competition and the ways he was beating them. Um, And, you know, he obviously took out Aldo on his way to the belt anyway. Uh, and I'll also say this for your, your point about this, this fight card. You know, you mentioned the three sickest fight or four sickest fights on this main card. But I'm also going to throw in there too that like the prelims, is absolutely positively loaded up with people who are going to sleep one another. There are people who have got big knockout power. So even if you're like a casual or even if you're a person who's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really care about these former champions or, I, you know, Ian Gary doesn't tickle my fancy. You know, like just tune into the ESPN Plus prelims because they're just going to, there's going to be some absolute slobber knockers on this one.
2: You know, we spoke a lot last week about UFC 300 uh, and the lack of announcements, and a lot of people thought that uh, Super Bowl weekend would be a good time for them to announce something. And I sort of took a uh, let's wait and see approach. For me, I had mentioned last week that, you know, like – if you got me Pereira, if you got me Izzy, those are like the two most exciting fighters in my mind right now, uh, just as far as like they could move up in weight class, they can move down in weight class. There's so many different matchups I want to see for both of them, or even them just facing each other again. Um, and here we are though, a week later and nothing's been announced and it sounds like Connor's going to fight later in the year. And that doesn't really move my needle. Cause you know, Connor's like one in eight in his last nine professional fights. I don't really care so much about that, but of course it's Connor. So there'd be hype there. But that all being said, I actually, I really think UFC is kind of fumbling the bag here. Like at this point, we're exactly two months away from it or less than two, a little under two months away from it. How have they not announced just even one big name? Someone who wants to take, I'm sure they can pay someone, even if they're feeling a little banged up, like, hey, man, it's UFC 300. We're going to give you a little extra extra on that show bonus. How has nothing been announced yet?
0: So I have a conspiracy theory about that. Uh, So I'm really glad you asked why has nothing been announced. Here's my guess right now. So the UFC 300, it's got to have three title fights on it, right? Like that—that's that seems to be the gold standard in having like an absolute banger of a card, right? Is—is is they need three? We've already got uh, Wei Li Zhang uh, fighting Yan Chou Nan, so there's one. That's obviously like the tier three, right? Because yeah. you know that—that's not—that's not moving the needle, right? My guess is they have Israel Desanya confirmed. Yes, he's posted stuff about being in a training camp. They have Alex Pajeda confirmed. Yes. They could just run those two version three for the fight, but I think what they're trying to do is I think they're trying to split them and get more title fights out of it, and they're just trying to work out, can we get Tom Aspinall to fight Alex Pajeda? Can we get Dreykus Duplesis on a quick turnaround to fight Izzy? And if they can't get both of those title fights, the default fallback is you run those two in, in the third version of their fight. And you're like, oh, we already got them confirmed. And that's why they're not worried, too, because two other guys, I think, are already in training camps. I I really like that. I think that makes so much sense. I think you hit the nail on the head. But here would
2: be my one question of that. What does it take to just get Tom Aspinall, whose total career earnings probably equal about $3? What What does it? I mean, just Dana, call him up, announce it's Super Bowl week. Like, what would
0: they be waiting on? An injury that he might need to get through? So I would say two things. So number one is it may not necessarily just be Aspinall. In in my theory and in my conspiracy theory here, Aspinall might have already said yes. But they need both of those to split apart Izzy and and Pereira, right? Because if if Izzy has a fight and Pajeda doesn't, you would still rather have Izzy Pajeda, right, to sell the big pay-per-views. But if both of them have a fight, then it's okay to split them. So my guess is, yes, either they're trying to grease the wheels on Tom Aspinall and see how little they can pay him because they did just have the whole brouhaha with him in, you know, he wanted to fight Stipe or he wanted to fight, uh, you know, John Jones. And clearly neither of those things are going to happen, especially at UFC 300. So they might be trying to cheer him up with a fight, especially taking it against the dangerous Alex Pajeda. They also might be waiting to see if Dreykus Duplesis is healed up from that Sean Strickland fight. He didn't seem like he took a lot of damage, but who knows what is what shape his hands are in, what shape his face was in. Obviously he took like a lot of jabs and that that can you know lead to some scar tissue and some healing and you know some time out of the gym. So even if one of them was not ready, you would not announce the other fight because you're waiting to see if we have to fall back on Izzy Pajeda 3 to be the mega headliner or if we can squeeze two title fights out of it.
2: Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think you're right on it. I will say this just to wrap everything up. Chuck Liddell was asked who he'd want to see fight at UFC 300, and he said Pajeda against literally anyone. I feel the same exact way. I said that last week. Uh, So you get me Pajeda, I'll be very happy. And I'm also going to drop – this is not breaking news. I don't mean to approach it like that, but I will just say that 30 minutes ago, the UFC posted on their social media, Instagram, Twitter feeds – uh 2 months away tickets go on sale next week for UFC 300 that to me says a fight's going to get announced in the next 7 days okay, yeah. They're yeah, we're, announce, we'll know. <laughs> yeah they're gonna announce the main event like the night or 2 days before those tickets go on sale so you know, everything we're talking about now could be moot in a day, so don't listen to us. What the fuck do we know? Okay, here we go. Let's get into our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC 298. We know the fights that are happening at that event. Um, it's this weekend, and before we break down a couple of fights, give you a dog to play, give you a parlay to play Gumby, I'm
0: wondering if anyone sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage. It's 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. And it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape. And it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up, wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team.
2: All right, we already spoke about it. You think of him as the GOAT at 145. He has been simply amazing at that weight class. Uh, He's coming off a loss. I'm talking about Volkanovsky, by the way. Uh, Volkanovsky's coming off a loss to Islam Makachev via KO. He had beat Yair Rodriguez before that back at 145, and he had lost to Islam before that. Uh, The original time he came up in weight, much closer fight, but it was a unanimous decision win for Islam. So he's 1-2 one and two in his last three, 0 and two at 155, but let's just talk about him at 145. This man is on an incredible run. He has never been beaten in the UFC at 145 pounds, reeled off uh, a million wins in a row, and he's defended his featherweight title six times. So this would be his seventh defense. But on the other side of the cage is a 14 and 0 pro fighter. Undefeated in the UFC in six fights, coming off a big win over Josh Emmett, is Ilya Teporia. Great wrestling. Um, He is, I think, probably the most exciting title challenger for Volkanovski since Ortega. I had some vibes about, but I did pick Volkanovski. Taporia to me is the most exciting title challenge of Volkanovsky's career. Now, watch him go out and watch Volkanovsky go out and just embarrass Taporia because he is the GOAT. And I always have a rule never pick against a GOAT until you see them lose. But I really like Taporia here. They're both minus 110. So not even Vegas knows what to make of this. What do you make of this?
0: I'm going to go with Volkanovsky here. I, I do like Ilya Taporia. I think we're maybe putting a little bit too much stock in his 14-0 record because really at the end of the day, is it the most impressive 14-0? Uh, you know, like you look at his wins in the UFC. Yeah, he did take down and out-wrestle Bryce Mitchell. Super impressive because uh, Bryce Mitchell is a really good submission specialist. But also Bryce Mitchell, you know, like defensively wrestling, has had his issues. Like we saw when he was on The Ultimate Fighter, he has his issues with defensive wrestling. Outside of that, we're talking about knockouts at Jai Erber, uh, you know, Ryan Hall. He kept trying hey, to... Uh, he yeah. hey, <laughs> He tried, on. He tried to Imanari roll him 31 <laughs> times and he ate hammer fists. Um, and then, like, a five-round decision with Josh Emmett. And not that he didn't look good in, in his five-round headliner with Josh Emmett. And it clearly earned him this fight. But, like, you know, he dropped a round in there to Josh Emmett. And, you know, it, it was a one-sided beatdown for sure. But... I just think the game planning of of Volkanovski is just going to be a little bit too much for him. It's not like Volkanovski tires out. It's not like Volkanovski doesn't have, you know, five rounds of cardio and isn't going to be coming at him at the same speed come, you know, minute 22 as he did in minute two. I also just think that Volkanovski is a master at controlling where the fight takes place. You know, apart from a couple of real ugly moments against uh, Brian Ortega, I think his ground game has looked exceptional and his ability to stay away from others' ground game has looked pretty damn good. Um, you know, obviously the, the knockout to Islam Makashev is, is kind of scary, but that's also on short notice. Uh, you know, trying to save a fight card for people. And he's openly admitted he was drinking beers when they called him to ask him for that fight. So now that he's in a full training camp, he's back to the weight that I think he's actually the best at. I think we just see an absolute ring general here in in Volkanovsky, you know, sort of teach Toporia a thing or two about game planning and not just headhunting. Um, not that he just head hunts; He works the body with that kick pretty damn well too. But I think we're going to see Volkanovsky put it on him, tire him out, work him over, and definitely win three out of five of these rounds.
2: Yeah, that's kind of where I lie too. I really like to Tupur- This is how I want to frame it. I like Toporia's chances. I really do. You want to go lay a bet on Toporia? Go for it. I think it's a great call. Uh, but I do have a rule when it comes to gambling, which is when someone's on the run that Volkanovsky is,
0: I just don't pick against them. Yeah. It was like Anderson. You didn't pick against Anderson Silva until Weidman did what he did. And even then you picked him a time or two again, because you thought it was a fluke. (laughs) Same thing when you want, you want to go way back. GSP, mighty mouse, Mouse, John Jones, BJ Penn, like all of those guys, Volkanovsky's earned that level of respect where I don't pick against him until he, he botches it.
2: Yeah. And I have just I don't see any hole in his game like even you know there were times like okay did Brock Lesnar look dominant for about four fights in the UFC? Yes, of course, but we saw a lot of holes. Yeah, he the Carwin like fight. Hit. The Carwin fight was real scary. That was scary. We have not seen that for Volkanovsky and especially not at 145. The other thing with Taporian, I think you you said what my biggest worry for him is is championship fight cardio gas tank management. I think Volkanovski is so smart. He's going to make him wrestle for the first like two rounds, three rounds. And then by round four, he's going to be like a shark in the water smelling blood. And I just think Volkanovski going to have better gas tank management. So and, that's it, yeah.
0: why- and it's, and it's, it's worth noting too, you know, he's gone five rounds with Josh Emmett, completely different animal. Cause Josh Emmett was a shell of himself. There were people calling for that fight to be, have the towel thrown in, in the fourth and fifth round. There's a difference in managing your gas tank against an absolutely battered and beaten Josh Emi and the best featherweight who's ever lived. All right, we'll move on then.
2: Uh, Robert Whittaker is a minus 210 favorite. Paulo Costa, plus 175 dog. Whittaker coming off a loss to DDP via TKO. He'd beaten Marvin Vittori before that, lost to Ida Sanya uh, before that. So he's one in two in his last three. And the former champ Whittaker, you kind of feel like he's a little bit on... Um, unsteady ground in the UFC for the first time, but he has a nice matchup here against Costa Costa coming off a unanimous decision win over Luke Rockhold, who really had like two feet out the door. So I don't know, uh, stock in that, but, uh, he had lost a Vittori and Ida Sanya before that. So he's one and two himself in his last three, who you got.
0: I'm of course going with Robert Whitaker. I'm surprised these odds are as close as they are because look, you know, you mentioned Luke Rockhold, seeming like he's one foot out the door. How many times have we seen a Paulo Costa fight announced and him to show up nowhere near that fight, right? Like he's either pulled out or said that that fight's not happening or, you know, this or that. I have no faith that Paulo Costa is even going to make it to fight night here. A. And if he does, you know, to your point, Robert Whitaker definitely on the decline, no longer the Robert Whitaker who was champion and great. But like, you mean to tell me Marvin Vittori can put this fight on Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker at this stage of his career can't? I don't buy that. I, I think Robert Whitaker is better on the feet here than like the super power puncher, Paulo Costa, you know, Paulo Costa panic wrestling and needing to wrestle when he, we was in trouble in some of those fights and not being able to, he's not going to be able to do that against Whitaker. Whitaker's going to piece him up. And yeah, of course it's alarming that Whitaker is coming off of a knockout loss, but I think we can all agree the EDP hits pretty damn hard. And I don't know that Paulo Costa does anymore. So, yeah, give me a Whitaker in this one.
2: Marub Davashvili is a minus-190 favorite. Henry Cejudo, the former champ, a plus-160 dog. Cejudo's coming off a split decision loss to Aljamain Sterling uh, in his return for the UFC ban- – that was for the UFC bantamweight Championship. Um, he had beaten, of course, Cruz, Marlon Moraes, TJ Dillisad, uh, Demetrius Johnson, Sergio Pettis. Wilson Hayes on his way out the door that was back in 2017 through 2020 when he looked absolutely dominant, was a dual division champ, but he's only fought once now in the last four years. He came back, lost to Sterling. He's been a heck of a troll online, um, but he finds himself a plus 160 dog to Davishvili. Who you got?
0: I'm going with Murab Devashvili. I I don't know necessarily that I like the negative 190 line on him. Uh, I think this fight is probably a little bit closer than that. But I will say, you know, like we, we mentioned it with, you know, you mentioned it with Luke Rockhold or Paulo Costa or whoever you want. When somebody's got their foot out the door, push them the rest of the way. And that's kind of where I am at with Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo, a guy who retired once, I'm pretty sure just to try to get the UFC to give him a bigger bag. And when they didn't, he came stumbling back and didn't look like himself against Aljamain Sterling, right? He had an issue with the cardio. He was being out-wrestled by Aljo. And let me tell you something. If you're having trouble with cardio in wrestling against Aljamain Sterling, I've got some very bad news for you about Mirab Devalishvili because that dude is just a carbon copy of Aljo with a little bit worse striking in twice as good wrestling and three times as good cardio. This guy is an absolute motor when it comes to, to putting wrestling on people. And do I think that Cejudo can stuff a little bit of it? Sure. But then what has he got coming back for him in the later rounds? I don't know that there's anything there. Plus you add in the fact that he's talking about firing his coach and not wanting him in there. He said in an interview recently that if he loses this fight, he's probably retiring again. I don't want to lay money on a guy who's got that kind of mentality right now, especially against a guy who literally makes you quit. So give me Murat. Our dog of the week
2: is Justin Taffa, plus 120 over Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah. So for me, Justin Taffa is just the right kind of knockout artist to, to beat Marcos Rogerio de Lima here. De Lima, actually, very good on the mat. I think he's sort of underrated as far as heavyweight fighters go. But the fact of the matter is, Justin Taffa hits so damn hard, knocks people out. And Marcos Rogerio de Lima is coming off of that very weird flying knee, 33 second KO from Derek uh, Lewis. So You know, you don't like being knocked out at heavyweight because that usually means more knockouts are coming. He's fighting a very good boxer. Could he close the distance and wrestle a little bit? Sure. But I think the longer this fight stays on the feet, the shorter the fight winds up being. And Justin Taffa has got those hands to make that plus 120 worthwhile.
2: Uh, Our parlay to play, Danny Barlow, a minus 185. Amanda Lemosh, a minus 135. Uh, But pair them together, though. It's going to get you plus money. Let's hear it.
0: So I'm going to badmouth another one of your favorites after badmouthing Ryan Hall. Uh, Mackenzie Dern. I love Mackenzie Dern. She will continue to be one of my favorite fighters of all time because of her jiu-jitsu prowess but I just don't like her abilities to get Amanda Lemos to the mat here. I thought Amanda Lemos would be a huge favorite in this fight. You know, she obviously boxes very well. She's very, very, very skilled in multiple facets of the game. And like, if this winds up a boxing match for any amount of time, I hate it for Mackenzie Dern. So that's a big piece for me. And then in this fight for for Danny Barlow, I really thought Danny Barlow was going to be a massive favorite too. We got Josh Quinlan here stepping in on short notice against a guy with, absolute sniper status on the feet and he knocks people out with that left hand i think josh quinlan's going to trade with him on the feet he's not the longer fighter he's not the more powerful fighter and at negative 185 it's worth adding that to the parlay so let's put amanda Lemosh and danny barlow together and get some plus money
2: boom that wraps up this edition of fights dogs and parlays let us know how you think we did at top turtle mma on the social media gumby we're having a party here let's not stop what should
0: we do next well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Shannon Clark, who is fighting for the LFA title next week. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Shannon Clark, who fights Tiani Lopez at LFA 177 for the LFA flyweight title. That fight is on February 23rd. So, Shannon, I, I got to pick up from where we left off last time. Because going into that Naira Rep fight, you told me uh, going into that fight that you still weren't quite sure that you were good at MMA or you knew if you were good at MMA. Did that win, looking the way it did, finally convince you that, hey, maybe you're good at this?
3: No, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I actually – I have to work on my winning face. I um, – I got told by a lot of my friends and family that were watching. It looked like I'm the one that lost because I was really pouty because I was really upset with my performance. I uh, I was not I was not happy with myself. So actually, no, I'm more I was more just pissed, and I'm like, frick, maybe I'm really not that good yet.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So now <laughs> I, I got I got a bunch of follow up questions from there. So first of oh, all, <laughs> the, the 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 winning face. What how, are they trying to coach you through? Smiling more when good things happen to you? What what how are well, they coaching you this? Well,
3: I I was really I was really upset with myself and unfortunately with me it shows in my face like how I feel. I'm very bad at hiding my facial expressions. So when they raised my hand last bite, I didn't know I was pouting that bad. <laughs> but when I rewatched the film, it's like, oh my gosh, Shannon, like just don't look like you're it looked like I'm the one that lost. It. Naira looked way happier than me, even, and I was just like, "Oh, come on! I gotta figure that one out. I gotta control my emotions a bit."
0: I love that. Now I gotta. So you know, I, I thought it was a dominant performance. Seemed like one way traffic. Everybody knew who was gonna win that decision, right? Like it didn't seem like it was any question. So what was it about the performance that that sort of bummed you out?
3: Um. It's just I'm probably one of my biggest weaknesses is I'm very good at listening to my coach. It's not that it's like I see something in a fight that necessarily he doesn't, or he doesn't necessarily see because he can't see angle every and everything, but that's not the game plan we had. So I stick to the game plan when then I get frustrated. i I'm like, Oh, but that's right there, but that's not what we discussed. So it's like, I don't, I lack that confidence of going against what our game plan is and what, um, more just like the confidence in myself to be like no it's okay and like even though my coaches talked to me and like afterwards and I've been it's like it's okay we can't see everything you're doing like the one time he was calling for I think it was like a right elbow but he can't see my right side that Naira had my arm so he couldn't see the elbow so then I get frustrated because I'm like what the heck like how do I do this elbow like I'm so I focus so much that like because I've been coached so much in my life from all my sports that I listened to the coach because who am I to tell them that I know best? So I, that is one of my weaknesses. So for me, it was more the frustration of I should know. I, I there was other things I could have done in that fight that I just went against because it was not the game plan. So, that's why I was so bummed out because I, I think that I could have done a lot more stuff. It's just, I, I don't like to go against my coach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Now I'm curious too, because you mentioned obviously the elbow and being tied up and it being like a little, you know, that, that, that being a strike that probably could have changed the tenor of a moment or something. Was it mostly small stuff like that? Or were, were there like maybe bigger things that you, you probably could have taken advantage of?
3: Um, there, like, when I had her up against the cage, I saw takedowns. Um, had I dropped to, down to a takedown, we could have went to the ground. Now, I mean, I, I don't really know who would have been better on the ground. Um, there was stuff like that, but our game plan was get her against the wall and beat her up. So, for me to drop down for a takedown and go to the ground, that's completely different than get her against the cage and beat her up there. So, it was more like, so that would have been a big factor that would have changed the, the way we fought for sure it's just that's a that's going against our game plan I, I've learned and I've been told it's okay to do that it's just in the moment I'm like oh I, I, I'm i not that person to not listen if I get told something I do it
0: I like that now I'm curious too you know obviously it's your coaches telling you you know you don't have to do this you can start to you know work with with what you see because obviously you see a lot Is that just, you, you mentioned the, all the athletics that you've done all of your life. Is it also your relationship with your coach? Do you feel just that you have that much trust in him?
3: Um, yeah, well, I trust him a thousand percent with everything, um, I think he knows my style. I mean, he might not be the best coach for everyone out there, but he knows my style and he, he's tried teaching me things. And he's like, no, you know what? That doesn't stick. That doesn't work for you. Let's go to this one. You know what? That's not working. Try this one. So he's tested me in so many different ways to find what fits my mindset and how my ability to fight that. Oh yeah. I trust him completely. And Yeah. Even though, like I said, he says I can do other things. It's just getting that confidence to be like, and, and not be rude. Like I think that that sometimes I'm just like, well, it's a big F you to my coach if I'm just like, (laughs) Nope, what you said, isn't right. Let me just do my own thing. So I, I got to work on that. Maybe this time I'll, I'll readjust that for this fight.
0: <laughs> all right, maybe we'll see a little bit more ad-libbing. Now, I, I did want to ask too, you know, like it, it seemed like, you know, for that game plan, it seemed to be followed pretty damn well, obviously. And, you know, the yeah. decision, like I said, seemed pretty one-sided, seemed pretty obvious. In, in all of that, did you ever feel like you were in danger of, of losing control of the fight? Did you ever feel like maybe you weren't going to win a decision or did it feel the whole time, you know, like we were kind of watching it, that you had control the whole time?
3: Um, no, I don't think there was a time where I was like, oh, crap, like, I'm losing. I think it was more just like, come on, Shannon, you can be better than this. Like, yeah, it was more just giving myself doubt. It was nothing about the actual fight. I don't recall in the fight being like, crap, I don't know who won this round. Actually, honestly, in the rounds, I don't think like who won that. To me, it's we need a finisher. Like, I I think of... I think I put more of the pressure on, like, it needs to be a finish, not a decision. I don't want it to go to the judges. So that's also why I was really upset because, I mean, I'm grateful I won at the end of the day. But to me, a fight should be finished of some sort, not a decision.
0: We we obviously love that mentality. (laughs) Now, I want to ask you about this fight coming up, too, because obviously it's a big one. But before that, I want to ask you about where you're fighting, because, you know, you, you fought a lot in Canada in your life and you got to come to the States for the last one. This is kind of a, a nice mixture. You know, you're, you're just barely across the border um, into the United States. You're getting this, you know, it's a very big fight, which obviously we'll talk about in a second. It, is it nice? Do you have like a bunch of family and friends who are, who are going to make the trip over or is it still kind of, you know, a little bit too far away for that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, um, I have some friends that are coming that weren't able to make it to the other. Um, one of my best friends, she's making it. Her husband. Um, we have some people from New York driving up that's friends with my husband, um, and then obviously my dad and one of his friends will be there. But that's really it. It's still, cool. it's really across. Like we're so far, um, we're so far. East, it's still a pretty far flight. Like for us to fly from Calgary to Buffalo, we can't even get a direct flight. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a connection. And so it's not like it's that close just because it's across the border. We're not over there. We're right on top of Man- uh, Montana. So yeah, yeah. still quite a bit away. But we'll have everyone at home watching it. So I'll have that Good support. stuff.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, so now I obviously have to ask about getting offered this fight. Because, you know, like you just said, still some self-doubt, still some thoughts about maybe perhaps – You know, you're you're not ready for this or not ready for that. And then they call you on the phone and say, not only do we want you to fight, not only do we want to give you the co-main event, but we want to give you a fight for the LFA flyweight title, which, by the way, four women in the history of the organization have ever worn, all four of them currently in the UFC. So I got to ask. When they oh, call good. you and ask you, yeah, when they call, yeah, or, is this news? Yeah, they're
3: That's currently so all there. That's new to me. I didn't know any of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're all currently there. So the the names, I'll, I'll even give them to you. Sabina Mazzo, Andrea Lee, Gabrielle Fernandez, Jamie Lynn Horth. Those are the only ones who have ever held this title. And then whoever wins between you and Theani Lopez will be the the fifth. So no, now knowing that, maybe I'm the one who broke this to you, now knowing that, <laughs> It, does it sink in a little bit that, like, this is a big deal? Were you shocked when they said they wanted you in a title fight? What, you know, g- give us a little of the reaction to that.
3: Um, it's so hard because I don't want to come across as, like, naive or anything. But in my mind, it's like, oh, it's just a title fight. Like, I don't know. Everyone gets offered title fights everywhere. It's just, I don't I don't know. I just, I think I underestimate how big of a fight this actually is, truthfully, which I think, yeah, it's, um, I was very excited, don't get me wrong, and it's a really cool offer, but I just think that I, I just underestimate how big of a fight this actually is. Like, last time when I'm like, oh, I'm just flying to the States, and then I remember getting there and be like, holy crap, people actually know what LFA is. <laughs> it's just So now it's like a title fight, and it's like, well, people get title fights everywhere. Like, I think of like the locals or City, you know what I mean? Like, I I think I don't realize how big of this is, and I know that, like you said, there's a chance of going to the fc one day. But like to me, it's like, well, that's still so far out my window that I'm not even like, I don't even see that side yet. No. <laughs> well,
0: I, I don't think you sound naive, but I love the confidence <laughs> that comes along with it. So let let's talk about the the matchup here, right? Because Lopez. She, she's a tough fighter a lot of her fights like yours have been finishes however slightly yeah. different right she's a little bit more of uh she likes the stuff on the ground a little bit more of a jiu specialist you know like, what are sort of your thoughts on her as an opponent when they offered her to you did you did you know much about her and, and what did you
3: learn um no i i had no idea who she was um learned right away obviously she likes the ground because i think she has like think three armbar finishes or something when we looked her up um I haven't really gone to the ground yet in a fight so it's going to be completely different I think she's going to go to the ground and I mean I'm someone that usually stays up so it'll be very interesting um like a complete 180 of all my fights I think she'll be the most person like the most driven on the ground than probably any girl I've ever fought
0: that's very true. Now I always like to end these things with a prediction. I know last time you, uh, you weren't too keen on making a prediction for me, but I'm going <laughs> to ask you again anyway. So oh. February 23rd, how's this one end?
3: It's going to be the same as last time. I really hope I just win. Um, <laughs> I hope I, how about my prediction is I'm going to be better than how I was last time. <laughs> Oh, I love that it. that means a win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you heard it here first, folks. This has been Shannon Clark, who fights Tiani Lopez at US, or, uh, LFA 177. That fight, once again, February 23rd. Shannon, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
3: No, thank you very much.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game of Heart Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Danny Gibby-Freeland. He's Jacques Wade and We will catch you then.